This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. On today's episode, while the Yuuzhan Vong threatened to execute millions of refugees unless the New Republic reveals the location of Luke Skywalker's hidden base, Anakin Solo leads a strike force to take out a new threat to the Jedi. It's Star by Star by Troy Denning, book number nine, in the New Jedi Order series. And joining me to talk about the story today is K2. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Aaron. Happy to be back. Well, we've made it to the halfway point of the series. How are you still enjoying it? I am not. <laughs> For anyone who has read the books listening to this podcast, you will know why. I'm, I'm a mama bear and I am not happy with what's happening right now. However, I will say this. These books are excellent. And this book, Star by Star, was really, really fantastic. But I hated it. Well, Star by Star is definitely a low point for our heroes in the series. And we'll chat about that in just a few minutes. But first, it's listener question time. We have two questions today. The first question comes from Nat. Nat says, I love the podcast. It's just the right balance of commentary, critique, and co-hosts. I've got a question about the Night Sisters of Dathomir. Were the Jedi at any point in their history aware of them, in Legends or Canon? In both, Palpatine had multiple dealings with them. But other than fighting their progeny, Maul and Savage, I don't recall ever seeing the Jedi recognize this entirely separate dark side group. Well, thank you for the email, Nat, and thank you very much for the kind words. I had to dive into Wikipedia for information on your question. According to the Wook, in canon, it looks like the Jedi were not aware of the Night Sisters until the Clone Wars. In Legends, about 600 years before the events of A New Hope, a female Jedi named Aaliyah was sentenced to the penal colony on Dothamir. Aaliyah taught the Dothamiri women the ways of the Force. Those that fell to the dark side of the Force became the Night Sisters. However, according to Wikipedia, except for Aaliyah, it also seems that the Jedi left Dathomir alone until the prequel era. And our second question comes from listener Zhu who asks, what do the people in Star Wars eat and drink? So Aaron, thank you for giving me a much more interesting question. Although I have to say, I love the Night Sisters and Dothamir. I think that that storyline is very cool. And I love that a couple of them show up in these books. Um, 
but I did not do a massive search on Wikipedia. I simply went through the archives of my brain and what it is that I recall people eating. Um, so I'm sure Aaron's answer is going to be far more technical than mine, but I recall Chewbacca trying to enjoy some porg over the fire in, I think it was New Je uh, Last Jedi. Um, and of course, Luke's blue milk. Um, whatever Ray and Obi-Wan are trying to like those, that dehydrated food that they rehydrate. Um, I'm assuming it's more than Tatooine, but some desert planets. Yeah, it's kind of like um, a, it kind of looks like a cross between a muffin and cauliflower and, and broccoli. Yeah, so they like re they're rehydrating food because it's so dry, is what I'm assuming. That's like a rehydrator. I could be wrong. Um, I recall the Tuscan Raiders eating some crate dragon and the Mandalorian. Um, and then I did have to look up the spelling of this. I know that Ezra was a big fan of that Maylorian fruit. Is that did I say that Maylor? Close enough Maylorian for me. I, I don't know how to pronounce it either. I think Zeb pronounces it like four different ways in in Rebels. Yeah. So they love that fruit, and that fruit, I want to say, showed up in um, what show? Uh, <laughs> it showed up in one of the live-action shows, Boba Fett. Oh, okay. Um, I want to say there was the fruit showed up at the very end when he was, like, walking through the town. Um, Grogu, as we know, eats just about everything, extinct animals, spiders, eggs, blue cookies, um, but on a more serious note or on a more probably technical, I would say it obviously depends on the species or the, you know, the, um, system that, that these, the people live in, what are their resources? What do they have access to? The calamarian are going to eat, you know, more water-based fish and the desert people are going to eat these dehydrated foods, but it looks like it's a lot of stuff and they don't really spend a lot of time on it. And you know what? They did mention food in this one when, um... Uh, Lando has all of the Jedi, he's feeding them right before kind of it all goes down when they're on the ship and he's going to kind of turn them in. And um, I did not write down how to pronounce that because it was a little crazy, but he said it was, he referred to it as like a really nice last meal for them, which sadly, I think it was a last meal for too many of them. But Aaron, what would you, you'd give a better uh, answer to this question than me? <laughs> well, I'm racking my brains as well. I think you covered a lot of the ones that sprang to mind. The only other ones that I can recall off the top of my head without looking them up is that travel pack of food that Luke takes to Dagobah when he meets Yoda for the first time. And then there was the frog that Jabba the Hutt ate and burped pretty loudly. I remember that. And... I guess our heroes were supposed to be the food for the Ewoks. I mean, they were about to cook Han, and I'm pretty sure Chewie and Lant uh, Luke were also on a spit, ready to go over the fire. Yeah, humans. I forgot that. Critical one. But anyway, great question. A really fun question. Yes, thank you so much for the email, Zhu. Now, listener, if you have a question for the show, like Nat and Zhu, you can send in an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at legendslounge1. And if you'd like to get your voice on the show, you can record an audio question and email it in. Just please help us out, record it in MP3 or MP4 audio format. Stay tuned for the end of the show because we've received another favorite Star Wars character grouping, a 12-person Jedi High Council. 
You'll want to stick around for that. Now it's time for today's book, Star by Star by Troy Denning. K2, are you ready to go? Not at all. Well. But I will. I will. <laughs> well then, grab yourself a drink. Let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. The story begins at New Plimpto. Jaina Solo and Mara Jade Skywalker hide in the outskirts of the system, waiting to pick up the Twi'lek, Jedi, Alima, and Numa Rar. The sisters helped found a civilian resistance on New Plimpto. They were forced to flee on a refugee ship when the Yuzhan Vong decided to raise the planet. Jaina and Mara watch as a Vong frigate stops the ship, searching for Jedi. On board, the Rar sisters try to sneak away in an escape pod but they're hunted by a new creature Vong shapers have engineered, a Voxin. The beast tracks the Jedi to the escape pod corridor and attacks, belching corrosive acid at Numa. Alima grabs her sister's body, jumps into one of the pods, and ejects. Jaina and Mara swoop in, pick up Alima's escape pod, and jump to hyperspace. At Luke Skywalker's secret base, the Jedi debate their next moves. Kip Duran wants to take the fight to the Vong, of course, and as the war continues, more of the younger Jedi are starting to take his side. Luke refuses to use the Jedi in attack, but he does have a plan for some of them. Luke wants Saba Sibitine, her fighter squadron, and Danny Kui to join Wedge's task force. Their mission? To capture a Yamask. If they can learn how the war coordinators communicate to the Vong in battle, Maybe they can interfere with the messaging. After Kip leaves, the Solo kids tell Luke that something needs to be done about the Voxen. Kilgall interrupts the debate and says she's discovered something. The Voxen appear to have been engineered from Bornskers, and they all appear to be clones from one animal. If they can destroy the donor, it may stop the Vong from reproducing the creatures. Anakin proposes to lead a strike team to Merker and kill the Voxen Queen. Sixteen more Jedi volunteer to join the team, including Jaina and Jason. The plan involves Lando in disguise, posing as a member of the Peace Brigade to deliver the Jedi to a Yuzhong Vong ship. Once they're on board, the Jedi plan to take over the ship and fly it to Merkur. On the Vong command ship, Sunulak, Savon La meets with Nam Anor and Vergeer. He berates Nam Anor for his failure to find the hidden Jedi base and for the hated Jason Solo. Vergeer says the easiest way to find Jason will be through his twin sister, Jaina, a pilot in the New Republic military. Her words silence the Warmaster. Twins. A rarity and a bad omen in Yuzhan Vong society. But they would make excellent sacrifices to Yun Yuzhan. Tsavong La orders Naminor to meet with the New Republic Senate on Coruscant, Either the Republic turns over its Jedi, including the Solo Twins, or the Yuzhan Vong end the armistice and start destroying refugee ships. As Lando and the Jedi strike team approach Vong-controlled space, Anakin and Jason argue again over Anakin's plan to hijack a Yuzhan Vong ship. Tempers start to rise when Anakin puts an end to it. I'm the leader, Jason. If you can't follow my orders, we'll drop you off at the nearest planet. Shocked by his little brother's words, Jason apologizes and agrees to follow Anakin's commands. 
Shortly afterwards, they're pulled out of hyperspace by a Vong picket ship. Lando gasses the Jedi, knocking them out, and turns them over to the Vong commander. After the transfer, Lando heads back to Luke's base, terrified that he just led 17 young Jedi, including Han and Leia's children, to their doom. On Coruscant, Naminor enters the Senate chambers to a chorus of shouts and insults. The executor steps up in front of Chief Borsk Falia and asks why the Republic hasn't turned over the Jedi yet. Borsk refuses to answer, instead demanding that Naminor answer for why the Vong have started taking hostages. But the executor stuns the audience and says that a concerned citizen has already given the Vong a group of young Jedi, and the list includes Jason, Jaina, and Anakin Solo. After the news, the Senate chamber erupts in chaos. Borsk orders security to arrest Naminor. As he's taken into custody, the executor rips off one of his fingers and releases a black gas cloud around the podium. The people near the dais fall unconscious, allowing Naminor to escape in the confusion. On the Vong picket ship, the commander tortures the members of the Jedi strike team for information about their hidden base. When the commander puts Anakin in front of one of the Voxen, Jaina breaks and starts talking. Anakin takes advantage of his sister's unknowing distraction and sends a message to a pair of Lando's hunter-killer droids that hid on the exterior of the picket ship during the prisoner transfer. The droids enter the ship and split up. One moves to free the Jedi while the other heads to the bridge. The YVH droid bursts into the Jedi holding cell and starts blasting. It kills the guards and frees the Jedi. Anakin splits the Jedi into two teams. Anakin will lead one group to the bridge when Jaina's team searches for more Voxen. After some intense fighting in the ship corridors, the Jedi kill two more Voxen, take control of a ship, and head to Merker. When the Jedi reach Merker, they find a Yuzhan Vong world ship orbiting the planet. The strike team faces a squad of warriors when they arrive, but one of the Jedi... A Bith named Yulaha sacrifices herself to allow the rest of the team to escape into the ship's dense forest. Using the Force, the Jedi make their way to the outskirts of the Voxen cloning facility. Outside, they find a city of slaves, people the Vong sacrificed to train the Voxen to hunt and kill. The Jedi find a pair of dark side users among the slaves, a night sister named Lomi Plo and her apprentice, Welk. The two say they'll lead the Jedi to find the Voxen Queen if the Jedi agree to free them. Anakin agrees, much to the consternation of his brother, Jason. The Jedi make their way through the maze of the slave city when Naminor and Vergeera arrive on the world ship with hundreds of warriors. They lead the troops after the Jedi stalking them. As the Jedi try to keep ahead of the Vong, they're continually harassed. Errol Besa and Jovindrak are killed and Raynar Thule is seriously wounded. When the Jedi turn to flee, they pass a shuttle. They hide Raynar in the ship and turn to continue their mission. Sneakily, Lomi Plo uses the dark side of the Force to confuse the Jedi, and she and Welk steal the shuttle and take off. Suddenly, the Vong attack. During the fight, Anakin is stabbed through the gut by an amphistaff. His spleen is punctured, and Tekli, the Jedi healer, tries her best to treat the wound. The other Jedi cover their escape and the strike team retreats deeper into the slave city. Without a medical facility or the time to enter a healing trance, Anakin knows his time is short. 
he turns leadership of the mission over to Jason, ordering his brother to kill the queen, no matter the cost. The Jedi listen to Anakin's words in despair. Jason is heartbroken. Jaina is enraged. But Tahiri is in denial, refusing to believe that Anakin will not survive. We can get you out of here, she says. But Anakin shakes his head and tells Tahiri the mission is too important. They must destroy the Voxen, or it'll be the end of the Jedi. He'll cover their escape. Anakin watches the strike team head into the Voxen tunnels. Then he ignites his lightsaber and turns to face the Yuzhan Vong. Anakin opens himself to the Force, and he feels a surge of energy the likes he's never felt before. He leaps into the middle of the warriors, blocking and slashing, glowing in the Force. Anakin brightens, the Force turning him into a beacon of light, a physical manifestation of the power of the light side. But trying to channel that much of the Force starts to consume Anakin. In his final moments, Anakin hurls a thermal detonator at the Vong. He falls to the ground as it explodes and becomes one with the Force. In the outskirts of the Karelian system, Luke and Mara prepare to lead a combined Jedi and New Republic task force against a Yuzhong Vong fleet at the planet Telfaglio. Luke listens to the battle plans when he feels Anakin's Force energy glow immensely and then quickly go out. Immediately, Luke's thoughts go to his sister on Coruscant. Lando arrives at the Solo's apartment and tells Han what happened when he turned the strike team over to the Yuzhan Vong, when suddenly they hear Leia scream from her bedroom. Han and Lando rush to her side, confused. Han desperately asks what's happened when Leia begins to wail. Anne, Anne, what is it? Lando asks, what's happened? With tears beginning to well up, Han turns to his friend. It's Anakin, Han says. He's gone. Jason leads the Jedi through the Voxen tunnels toward the Queen's Nest. Along the way, they encounter several of the feral creatures, losing two more members of the strike team. Knowing the Jedi are reeling from Anakin's death and beginning to lose hope, Jason tries to keep them focused on the mission. But Jaina allows her grief to overwhelm her. When the team is confronted by a trio of Yuzhan Vong leading one of the beasts, Jaina calls on the Force, touching the dark side. She blasts the Vong with Force lightning, frying them before decapitating the Voxen with her lightsaber. Jason is terrified of what Jaina has done, but they'll have to deal with it later because the Jedi finally reach the Voxen Queen's lair. And who do they find outside the nest? Vergeer. Luke and Mara lead the attack on the Vong fleet at Talfaglio. The Jedi use their X-Wings to clear a screen of Coral Skippers, while Wedge Antilles and Garmbel Iblis order the New Republic ships against the Vong capital ships. During the battle, Danny Kui detects a Yamask coordinating the enemy forces. Danny and Saba discover which vessel the Yamask is on and send Luke to capture it. The Jedi blasts a hole in the side of the ship, opening it to vacuum, forcing the Yamask to wrap itself in a protective cocoon. With the Yamask neutralized, the task force quickly destroys the Vong fleet. Following the battle, the Jedi transport the Yamask back to their base in hopes of discovering how it communicates. Tavong La gives the order to attack Coruscant. The War Master and the Yuzhan Vong fleet jump into the system and begin bombarding the New Republic defenses. 
On the surface, Borskvalia calls Leia for help rallying the troops. But the princess is too distraught over Anakin's death. However, when the fighting breaches the planetary shield, Han and Leia head to the Imperial Palace to offer support. Borsk holds out hope to save the planet, but it's quickly apparent that Coruscant is lost. Leia says it's time to evacuate. No, Borsk says. You go. I cannot continue as the chief that lost the capital. Han and Leia head to the spaceport as the Vong enter the palace. As the commander takes Borsk into custody, the chief of state ignites a proton bomb, sacrificing himself and taking more than 25,000 Yuzhan Vong troops with him. Brigier tells the strike team that Naminor's troops will soon have them surrounded. They must make a choice. They can either kill the Vox and Queen or they can escape. They don't have time to do both. Jason orders Jaina and the other Jedi to steal a Vong ship while he destroys the Queen. Jason traps the Voxen in a Dovin basil nursery comb. The creature tries to spray him with its toxic saliva. Jason dodges the spray and slips on the edge of the comb. He slides down toward the singularity, but he's saved when Vergier grabs his hand, lifting Jason back into the comb. Vergier then pushes the Voxen Queen with the force, knocking it off balance. Quickly, Jason kicks the beast off the, the edge. The Voxen slides down the comb and touches the young Dovin Basil at its base. It disappears in an instant, snuffed out by the singularity. Jaina and the remaining Jedi find a Yuzhang Vong frigate and manage to get it in the air. She flies the ship back over the forest towards the Dovin Basil nursery. From the air, the Jedi see Jason surrounded by Vergier and dozens of Yuzhang Vong warriors. Jaina boils with rage. She aims the ship toward the group intent on saving her brother, or die trying. But the Jedi are followed closely by a group of coral skippers. The others plead with Jaina to stop and head back to New Republic space. Reluctantly, Jaina heads away from the world ship. They jump to hyperspace as Jaina vows to return and rescue Jason. On Coruscant, Senator Vicky Shesh follows Han and Leia through the spaceport to the Millennium Falcon. Vicky tries to kill Leia and kidnap baby Ben. The Nogri stop Vicky, but she escapes and flees with the Yuzhong Vong. The story ends with our heroes lifting off from the surface, preparing to run the gauntlet through the battle raging in orbit. Time for a break. When we return, K2 and I will talk more about Star by Star. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. And if you're a fan who'd like to meet other Legends buffs, you can check out Legends Con this September 9th and 10th in Burbank, California. LegendsCon is a fan-run convention focused on celebrating the books, comics, games, 
and other media from the old Star Wars Expanded Universe. And it's hosted by the Legends Consortium, a fan-run organization that wants to bring together fans to celebrate Legends in a positive environment. It will feature vendors, artists, and authors from the old EU, including special guests, Randy Stradley, Matthew Stover, Karina Bechko, Sean Stewart, Barbara Hambly, and Abel G. Pena. LegendsCon is open to all ages and will be held September 9th and 10th, 2023 at the Marriott Convention Center in Burbank, California. Proceeds from the event will be donated to the Peter Mayhew Foundation. Tickets are on sale now through Eventbrite, and you can provide additional support through Kickstarter or coffee.com. For more information on LegendsCon, visit legends-con.com. Check out at legends underscore con on Twitter and Instagram or at Legends Consortium on Facebook and Tumblr. Once again, that's Legends Con coming September 9th and 10th in Burbank, California. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today, K2 and I are talking about Star by Star by Troy Denning, the ninth book in the New Jedi Order series. Well, K2, there's a lot that happens in this book. And, listener, one thing I want to say before we start in our discussion points here is that so much happens in this book, we had to leave out probably... 50 to 60 percent. All we did was hit the highlights back in the plot summary section. So I suggest if you want all of this, read the book or at least listen to the audiobook uh, from back in the early 2000s. So the big thing that happens in this book, the biggest thing that happens in this book is Anakin's death. Jason gets captured at the end. Jaina touches the dark side of the Force. The Solo family really takes it hard in this book. How did you experience it, K2? How did I experience it? I was convinced, like literally convinced, Anakin was not dead. I believe they Jon Snowed him. I'm like, well, they'll resurrect him. I wonder how they bring people back. This is so cool. Not at all. (laughs) <laughs> not at all acknowledging that he really died. And then, you know, you, you got Luke's perspective and Leia's. And I'm like, well, these people shouldn't be fooled. Like, shouldn't they know that he's fine or that he's one with the force? And so he'll come back. And um, I'm, I'm beginning to come to terms with the, the fact that he's actually dead. I'm livid. Uh, I mean, these are my babies. These, these three solo children. I really thought they had plot armor. Um, So I was in massive denial that something could happen to them. I mean, particularly when they start the series out killing Chewbacca, I guess I should have known anyone was on the table, um, but I did not. I was massively shook and I genuinely didn't think this was going to happen. When I look at Jaina's response and how angry and how easily she she tapped into the dark side and pulled out the the force lightning which i kind of was like cheering for her i'm like yes yes (laughs) go dark 
<laughs> take revenge. I'm like cheering her on completely. So I'm not a great <laughs> person to ask this question to because I would go dark as well. Um, and then lastly on Jason, I'm a little concerned with his his ability to be irrationally calm. Like he seems almost detached. And while we can get in his head and we know he's not just some robotic, he's not just lost all of his emotion. Um, yeah, maybe it's a survival tactic. It, it is certainly, um, but it, there's danger uh, with that detachment. And so I'm, I'm, I really don't know what's going to happen next. So, Star by Star comes on the heels of the previous two stories, the Edge of Victory duology. You could say that those are Anakin-focused stories. The first one definitely is an Anakin-focused story. The second one, five different plot lines, but the main one is Anakin-focused. Did you expect Anakin going forward to be the main hero of the series? I mean, reading them, that's not where I went. Um, I really still looked at the whole, you know, kind of gaggle of characters and thought it was more of a, of a group story. But I suppose, you know, to a degree, yes. I think subtly or unconsciously, I I did start to think he was going to end up being the hero. And then as young as um, he was, he's named the leader of this strike force that goes to Merker. Right. And he has this, he clearly has this leadership um, energy and way about him that they all agree to follow him. They all agree to trust him with him, even his parents. So he clearly, and, and you can see it in the way he's written and the way he behaves um, he really is a true leader. So, but it's so interesting because, again, when you go back to the, the start of the story, they were dealing with, and he specifically dealing with the grief and the guilt, the massive guilt of Chewie's death and how that seems to continue to follow these characters throughout this whole series. And um, so I didn't, I, I would not have guessed, this is, this is probably why I thought he had the plot armor was he, he's so central to the storytelling associated with how it began in Han's journey. And, and um, yeah, I think, yes, I didn't consciously think it, but yes, to answer your question in a very long way, I do think he was kind of the center, like center point station. It was all about him and him arming it. So I'm, a, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried about where this is going to go without him because they really did put a lot on his shoulders as a character anyway, um, driving the story forward. What do you think? Well, in an interview with the author, Troy Denning, this was an interview in, let me make sure I get my reference here correct. It was an interview in 2014 with the Scum and Villainy radio show that he said when he received the outline of the entire New Jedi Order series, it originally called for Jason to sacrifice himself 
and then Anakin was going to be the hero of the story. When the authors that developed the New Jedi Order series ran it past Lucasfilm, George Lucas himself thought it would be better for them to sacrifice Anakin and focus the story going forward on the Solo Twins. Denning said then... Yeah, well, Troy Denning then said that when he looked at, after that was decided upon, when he then got the final uh, pitch for the whole series, he was given star by star, and in that, it said that's when Anakin needs to sacrifice himself. So, it's the only book in the series he writes, and that's the one that he got. And oh, by the way, that's the book you gave me. So thanks a lot, Aaron. <laughs> it's in, that's interesting, and I guess not surprising, because as you read the story, it does feel obvious that Anakin has the plot armor. So to strip him of it, it does make the rest of the series a little interesting, because you know you never know. I mean, they killed a lot of Jedi in this. Yeah. Uh, now a lot and, of them you never have heard of before that they're just names in this story you know they're they're not really spoken about anywhere else like Yulaha and Joven Drark and characters like that that are part of the strike team but yeah I mean they're Numa Rar at the beginning Alima's sister in the first chapter she's killed by the Voxen so yeah well the thing is too I think for people like us right when you start with a new hope you feel like Jedi are just so precious and fragile because there's so few of them right and yeah you go through Clone Wars and things like that when they're Jesus they're everywhere but so now when you think you read a story and I don't know eight Jedi die or I'm not quite sure how many like it just feels like it's like the price might not have been worth what they got I mean killing the Vox and Queen clearly needed to happen um, they were creating really powerful weapons against the Jedi. And the, the Jedi don't know, you know, they, they really rely on the fact that they don't have a lot of competition um, and they don't have a lot of threats to them. So taking this, this, this Voxen off the board was important, clearly. But I'm, I, que- I, I mean, I question whether or not they paid too high a price to do that. Um, so you, and I don't know. I, I haven't read ahead, so I don't know. So you agree with the plan to kill the Vox and Queen? I love the plan. What, one question I've always had, and I had it the first time I read the series. The Jedi figure out that all the other Voxens are clones of one donor. Mm-hmm. If they can kill the donor, then once they kill the other Voxen, that'll be it. I always thought that was weird because there are other Vornskers on Merkur. Wouldn't the Yuzhan Vong just be able to then create another Voxen from one of the Vornskers? And, and then they'd have a new donor? You you would think, right? Um, but maybe, with all, look at all the past failures they've had with cloning. Um, they show us later, you know, we see with um, in Mandalorian and Palpatine and What's his face? Yeah, I, I maybe guess. they just didn't. They weren't successful. Maybe in 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 cloning. It was just that particular queen had the right 
blood or, you know, whatever that allowed her to be cloned and the other, because wasn't it a Vorsker like hybrid with something else? Isn't it like they made it? Something yeah, they bioengineered it. So they obviously spliced something, some other things in with the Vornskers. I don't, right. I don't have the book with me, so I don't remember exactly what else they spliced the in there. But it was a bioengineered creature. Yeah, so maybe they just didn't have any more successful bio, bioengineered creatures. Maybe they only had the one that they were able that that's the only thing i can understand that, that i can assume from that is that they it was just too difficult and they got lucky yeah. um but it's a good question because you're right why couldn't they just go grab you know another one but i did like the strategy i liked the plan i thought it was bold i thought it was very brave borderline arrogant but it was clever and the thing is, you know, Naminor and, and a lot of the Vong, they just, they really seem to always be a step ahead. They're so ruthless. Um, and it just doesn't surprise me that that things just kept falling apart. Um, I loved the, the battle melds, like that whole Jedi mind meld thing. I hadn't really seen that in action. I haven't, for, you know, the listener, I haven't read is that many books. So most of my knowledge is from the screen. And um, so I hadn't really seen that in action. I thought that was really cool. I loved Jason's ability to connect with the animals and the role he played um, there as he was able to kind of read different things and um, with whether it was the Yamask or the, the Voxen. Um, so I thought that was really, I think the story was just really, really good. And the book was really, really well written. And it was very long. Did you give me the longest book in the series, Aaron? Uh, I think this is the longest book in the series, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I really liked I mean, what did you think of the plot, their plan? Um, I mean, I thought the plot, I thought the plan was okay. Um, I liked your term arrogant because I do think there is a certain arrogance in the new Jedi. And I don't think it's anything bad I think it's just you know kind of the natural arrogance of youth that we can do anything you know when you're in your late teens and early 20s you can conquer the world and Mm -hmm. I think that's part of what this plan is I really don't know what else could have been done um, than just raid Merker find the Voxen mm-hmm. queen as quickly as possible. I like the way it's called a strike team because it had to be a quick strike. Yeah. I thought it, like I said, I thought it was clever and it worked. It's just, did it, did they pay too high a price? So, well, part of that I price, part of that price is Jason at the end, after he kills the Voxen queen, he's captured by the Vong and by Vergier. Again, don't really know what to make of Vergier. But going forward, what do you think is going to happen to Jason? Okay, so I wouldn't have thought this going into the book because I still read these. I I was reading these with rose-colored glasses. Like, it'll have a happy ending. 
So it better, Aaron, have a happy ending. <laughs> if you drag me through these 19 books just to cry, um, we might not be friends anymore. But going into the book, I wouldn't have thought this, but coming out of it, Jason's detachment concerns me. And I think as well, because we're only halfway through, I am very suspicious of the fact that they're painting Gina as a risk of a dark side, a dark um, Jedi. And Jason is this detached, I don't want to use the force, this isn't a great idea, stay calm, one with nature. I feel like they're going to flip the script there. And I feel like they're going to have Jason be the one that's either broken or because I don't really know, is he going to go be tortured? Are they going to go brainwash him? Are they going to sell him on the idea of something else? And you know, the, the, I, I can't begin to guess how quickly he would go, but I feel like he will go more on the darker side. And I think that Jaina, her response is more pure and human and yes, emotional and yes, dark and vengeful and all of that. But I feel like she's going to be able to be reasoned with. Plus, she's going to hopefully reconnect with Leia and Luke and, and be, you know, be reminded of, you know, that love and light, et cetera. And inspired by Anakin, who really seems to be like this pure light forced Jedi. Um, he seemed to just have this purity, particularly when he died. But throughout the story, um, just how he connected with the force is so fascinating. So that's kind of what I would guess. Or he dies. And they just kill all of the kids and they just keep murdering children and make me very angry. That's the other. <laughs> well, you, 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 you mentioned Anakin's death scene and yes, the description is at, he opens himself to the force so completely that it starts almost burning him from the inside out. I always picture him physically like glowing. Yes. You know, like he's like, he's some sort of nightlight or something like that. He just keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until it, it almost consumes him from the inside out. Is that how you well, pictured it, it? Yes. And then Luke even describes it that way. How Luke senses this this surge of energy from Anakin before he dies. And so I just, yes, I definitely pictured it visually um, happening just like that. And like, like, I just, it, I find it fascinating how it, it, it struck me as just a purity, right? Like he really, he's been tested and tested and tested and he always chose correctly. And he's the one we lose? Baloney. Well, the, the, the stakes have gotten higher and higher. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm very sad. So a couple times now you've mentioned Jaina's reaction to mm. Anakin's death and how it may be the most human emotion that the author writes about in the book between her reaction and Tahiri's grief over Anakin's death. She touches the dark side of the Force. She uses Force lightning to kill to Yuzhan Vong. And now she has lost her twin brother, the closest person in her life. How do you think Jaina will be affected moving forward in this story? 
And she didn't just lose him, she left him. And she was really upset with Jason for leaving Anakin. And she turned around and left Jason and said, I will come back. How do I think, I think she, you know, when you just were describing it, it reminds me of like Captain Kirk and and Mr. Spock, right? Like Spock's like, like Jason's this detached in, you know, robotic, unemotional character. And Kirk is running around, losing his mind. That's Jaina and Jason right there. Um, What do I think? I think she's going to go through it. I think she's going to be in touch with her emotions. I think she's going to let herself feel them and then she can heal. And that's why I'm worried about Jason. Um, Now, now that she has felt the dark side and has felt mm -hmm. the power of the dark side, Mm -hmm. do you think Mm -hmm. she'll be tempted to use it again in the future? I mean, like I said, I was cheering for her. I was like, yes, burn them, (laughs) light them on fire. So would she use it again? Possibly. Um, I think she could very well, I think she could possibly, and I think then somebody will step in to coach her out of it. Luke, maybe. Um, Maybe it's a a character like a Tahiri who, who grieves with her. And and can knock some sense into her. But again, with as much time as we have left in the story, I don't know how she heals in the next book. I think she's got to take a journey um, and really feel like feel what she's feeling and deal with the loss and deal with whatever is next. She's not this isn't going to be the only loss. This isn't going to be the only guilt and the only grief she suffers. Um, Whatever happens with Jason is going to deeply affect her. Um, maybe, so I, I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of feel like she will use it again. I don't know though, as, not, as someone who's not like a real expert on this, I don't know how far down the dark side you can go before you, you irrevocably cannot come back. Right. I don't know how you become Darth Vader. Um, and I mean, I guess at the end he kind of be, you know, he became a nice guy <laughs> right when he died. But like, so I don't really know what that journey looks like for someone who goes dark and then stops um does it damage you i mean you know so i can't really ask you what what you think because i know you know the answer to this one having read them so that's just what i can tell you and i thought i did make a note here um what i thought was so interesting about how they painted jana's character at the beginning is um the very beginning of the story when they're going to get the rar sisters right the very first as it opens she's just contemplating she's just thinking to herself and it's like the first thought they pen about her she's just got this wistfully naive idea that if only the Yuzhan Vong realized that they could have moved to the galaxy and been welcomed with open arms they didn't have to take everything over and start a war if only they had known that everything would be better and really considers that the Yuzhan, the Yuzhan Vong didn't know this, but the Jedi will one day teach them. And that's essentially how her character opens. And so the fact that she moves from that to this raging dark force, you know, lightning user, it just, what a great journey for her in this novel. And I thought, I really thought one of the things too that I think the author did really well was not just the characters themselves, but the relationship of the characters. I felt a lot of really strong 
kind of relationship connections as they went through telling the story, how the brothers related and the brothers and sisters related and Han and um, Leia's journey together. And it just, I really liked how he played on the relationships to tell the story um, in this book. So in the early part of the series, Chewie dies in the first book and we see Han basically shut down, go through the different stages of grief, hurt his family, and that's for four or five books. Now, there's that scene where Leia feels Anakin's death. And in the handful of scenes afterwards, Leia's almost catatonic. She won't let little Ben Skywalker go, the little baby. She just keeps holding him and stroking his head. At one point, C-3PO even calls Han in there to say, Leia is hurting the baby. Do you think we're going to see Leia go through something similar to what Han did in the first four or five books of the story? I cannot begin to process that kind of pain that she's going to have to go through. Um, the guilt as well as, you know, a supporter of the mission. She's going to have to. I mean, look, I lost my best friend many years ago, and I feel like, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, I feel like it altered my DNA. I feel like I was never the same person again. And he was not my child. So grief is a powerful storytelling tool. And I cannot believe, I, I won't believe, I will find it to be um, poor storytelling if she somehow like rebounds from Anakin's death. She is a mother losing her youngest or anyone, any one of her children. It's not possible to recover. So what her journey looks like and how she channels that grief, that's going to be the interesting part. Does she become more determined? Does she push people away? Does she get closer to people? Um, does she, is she, cause she's in a state of shock right now. Um, so I don't know what that will look like, how she'll channel it, but she will not be the same person and she can't be the same person. And Han won't be either. Um, and Luke won't be, and Mara won't be, and Jason and Jaina won't be, and a lot of other of the Jedi, Tahiri won't be, Lobaka won't be. Like these Jedi will forever be changed for from losing him. If Chewie's death could do what it has done to the story, I can't imagine what Anakin's death is going to do. It could really rally the the galaxy in a different kind of way too. But yeah, I don't know how how Leia could possibly recover unrealistic so we've focused on Anakin's death in this discussion and it, it is the main thing that happens in this story but there is another plot line and that involves the Yuzhan Vong taking Coruscant what happens to the new republic as we know it. It's a government, even if there is a government now, it's a government in exile. Everyone is on the run. 
organizationally, what do you think happens going forward? I mean, it's a great question, and it, it, I don't know that I have the imagination to answer that, but I would say that it leaves a lot of space for another government, governing body to step in, right? This is how an empire or another kind of set of bad actors form a government to take over. Um, this kind of chaos is what Palpatine um, capitalized on. So I, I don't have a great guess as to who those bad actors are. I mean, Vicky Shesh, like she's, she needs to die a horrible death. Um, for me to be happy with this book. Well, like, I, I think I think I think she's pretty much done now. She tries to kill Leia. She tries to kidnap Ben at the very end of the book. One of Leia's Nogri stabs her as she flees, but she meets up with the Vong themselves. So now she's fully committed to the Vong. Now, if she wasn't before, if she was just like some sort of informant, now she's just fully gone over to the Vong. And... Yeah, but I need to see her die. <laughs> I need her dead. I'm sorry. And I mean, when Leia was going for her, I was like, kill her. So I really, I would love to see. I don't know how long, how many more years are left in the series, right? Because how long has it been? It's been three years? I'll look it up here while we continue talking. But if I remember correctly, okay. I think the series is four years total. So okay. we're about the midway point. We're about okay, two years so maybe, in. It's only been two. Okay. Um, cause I was really hoping like that I could see Ben Skywalker grow up and like decapitate her, but I don't want her to live that long. So Vicky and you know, what, what's interesting is she, she was at the end of the last book we did. The, the last book we did is yes. when Naminur went and, and recruited her and I was like, she's going to suck. <laughs> and I've never been more right about a prediction in my life <laughs> than when I was like, the politicians are bad enough when they're good. And she's clearly not a good one. And I, to, 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 I'm harping on her only because I, I really do hate her. But the, the, you can't trust the politicians in these, in these books at all, in, these, in this story, in this, in this world. So whoever comes in capitalizing on it is not going to be up to any good. And who's to say the Vong don't have a lot of, of, of advocates? The thing is, them going in and breaking the armistice and taking over these planets and, and, and getting rid of Eclipse and taking over Coruscant like that, I mean, they, they have to be burning allies if they, if they even had any. Um, so this could really rally kind of a rebellion-style grassroots response where you have people more underground, a little bit more like what we're used to. And, and again, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, or, you know, Rebels kind of genre where people just start to kind of rally and take them on. And now that they can, they have the Yamask, they have that, the number that, you know, what um, Danny, excuse me, was able to kind of figure out how they use the Yamasks and how to neutralize them or target them. Um, or take them off the board. I mean, the Yamaks and the Voxen, we didn't have the Voxen for very long, but they were, that was a, that was a big, you know, tool um, for weapon for them to use against the Jedi and uh, the New Republic. So now that the, the, the good guys, if you will, are starting to figure out how to, how to um, 
you know, really fight against their weapons, um, we could really see the, the tide turn. But I, I feel like it's going to get a little darker um, before the dawn in this story. Um, but I don't know. I mean, again, I can't ask you, but um, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't trust the government. <laughs> so I, I looked it up. Uh, the new Jedi Order series takes place over four years from 25 ABY to 29 ABY. And this story in particular, Star by Star, takes place at the midway point, 27 ABY. So we are two years into the war. Two years since Chewie died. Yes. Yeah, it felt like that. Okay. So this is your first time reading the series. Have you started the next book yet? No, I've been focused on this book. Okay. You mentioned Jaina. You mentioned that you think she's probably going to go dark before she turns back and that she's going to go on a journey. How would you like to know that the next book in the series is called Dark Journey? And <laughs> when you get the book, if you look at it, the only thing on the cover is Jaina's face. That's what it is. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I am going to be cheering on her dark journey. And I do hope that she ends up on the right side of the coin eventually. But I wouldn't mind her taking a few people out on her journey. That's all I'm going to say. She's turning me dark. Killian Anakin is making me go all Darth Vader. Sorry, but it is. I'm cheering for her. So that's very funny. I haven't looked ahead because I was so focused on preparing for this conversation. <laughs> and who's doing that with you, Scott? Yes, that will be Scott. Okay. He and I have Dark Journey. So, well, great discussion today. Before we wrap up, I have another Star Wars favorite character grouping. This week's comes from David in Canada who says he's a hardcore Legends fan who has been resistant to the Disney Star Wars stories. But now that David's daughter has started watching Star Wars, he wants to enjoy it with her. So he's giving them another chance. I say way to go, David. Uh, I love trying to connect with my niece and nephew over Star Wars. We like different things in Star Wars, but I just want them to try to enjoy this as much as I do. So, kudos for you. Anyway, David's character grouping. K2, will you please read David's Jedi High Council? Happy to. Grandmaster Luke Skywalker, New Jedi Order. Master Mara Jade Skywalker, New Jedi Order. Master Jaina Solo Fell, New Jedi Order. Jedi Battlemaster Kyle Katarn, New Jedi Order. Jedi Master Revan, Knights of the Old Republic video game. Jedi Master Bastila Sean, KOTOR video game. Jedi Master Nomi Sunrider, Tales of the Jedi comics. Jedi Master Ulik Keldromo, Tales of the Jedi comics. Jedi Master Satil Sean, The Old Republic comics and game. Jedi Master Cade Skywalker, Legacy comics. Jedi Master Cole Skywalker, Legacy comics. And Jedi Master and Terry's Draco Legacy Comics. Great choices, David. Especially the ones that I'm not really familiar with, like the three last ones there from the Legacy Comics. I admit I tried reading those comics about 15 years ago. I never really got into them. 
and I stopped reading after about three, maybe four issues. Maybe I'll give them another shot here in the future. Anyway, thank you very much for the list. Now, listener, if you have a favorite Star Wars character grouping, please send it in. I love reading them. And if you have a comment about something we've talked about on today's show, or if you have a question, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send a tweet at legendslounge1. Thank you very much for joining me today, K2. Thank you. If the listeners would like to contact you, either to chat or to check out your cakes, <laughs> how can they do that? Um, you can find the best way to find me right now is on Twitter at K2Cav, the letter K, the number two KAV. Um, I'm also over on Blue Sky, but I know a lot of people aren't there yet. Um, but yep, my cakes are there. And um, I know a couple people have connected since the last. Um, book we did because I had a couple new followers that clearly were Star Wars fans. So thank Excellent. you for that. You guys feel free to reach out and and um, say hi and, and chat with us if you want because we're all all of Aaron's co-hosts are on there and we all chat all the time. So feel free to chime in and, and say hi. Coming up on the next episode, as we said, Scott will join me to start picking up the pieces of this story as we discuss Dark Journey by Elaine Cunningham, also known as the Jaina Solo book in this series. Yay! You can look forward to that episode coming up on August 18th. Thank you very much for listening to today's Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends. <laughs>